to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on North Orange County politics. I'm Jody Balma, and I have been so excited about this show because I get to talk to two of my favorite journalists, Gustavo Ariana, a columnist for the Los Angeles Times and an author of a number of books, including literally the history of Orange County, uh, and Gabrielle San Ramon, uh, also a published author and a journalist uh, who was recently in the Los Angeles Times. I was happy to see him in print on my Sunday morning. Uh, and former colleagues uh, at the OC Weekly, which I am mourning the anniversary of uh, of its ending. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Gracias. Thank you for having us. And uh, it's hard to believe uh, it's been a year without the OC Weekly, um, you know, which clearly covered local politics with a passion uh, and, and, and really in a reverence that I loved. Um, my favorite issue of the entire year, the one I looked forward to, was the October OC Scariest People, uh, which was a hall of infamy, um, which was, you know, not limited to politicians, but certainly they uh, appeared quite uh, prominently and often uh, and, and really kind of displayed uh, the county. And, and and one of the things it highlights is, uh, you know, that that it really does, um, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and when we don't have journalists shining a light on that, um, what people can get away with. So I, I definitely want to talk about, uh, you know, who would get that honor this year, but I want to go yeah. deeper. Um, and, and first I want to, I want to, you know, share with our listeners, where can they find you? So Gustavo, where, where can our listeners find you? Oh, it's, Easiest way, subscribe to my newsletter and Gabriel San Ra Ramon Roman. San Roman is um, also has his own newsletter, so he'll plug on his end. But my end, go to gustavoariano.org. I have a newsletter called Gustavo Ariano's Weekly. I have a missive. You're going to church, basically, the church of the real Orange <laughs> County, because I am the exiled prophet from it. Um, Moses, who is not allowed to go into the promised land, which is okay, but um, there, you know... My, what pays the bills, I'm now a columnist for Los Angeles Times. I come out with a weekly where, but th that column covers basically, eh, no, I do a lot of Orange County stuff, but also I do a weekly commentary specifically about Orange County politics called the Orange County Line for KCRW during the Greater LA uh, segment. But honestly, anything that I write, just go to Gustavo weekly, gustavoriano.org. I only send it once a week on Saturday. So that's where you can Nice, find. nice. And yeah. I uh, have a newsletter too that I started in May, and that can be found at gabrielsanroman.com. And yeah, Gustavo encouraged that effort. He basically said it's a good way to connect with your audience and maintain your audience, and it bypasses Facebook, which we're all learning more and more about yeah. as this uh, filter. Right or what we see as news and, and actually, you know, a lot of misinformation that gets spread around. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll go and I'll share my newsletter on Facebook. Nothing really happens all that much. Um, but then, you know, I have hundreds of subscribers that at least half of them will open an email on Sunday. So Gustavo's on Saturday. I'm nice. on Sunday. Hell yeah. And, 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 and with Gabriel, he really is the last honest since, you know, our, our beloved R. Scott Moxley has gone into and even deeper exile. I think he's like Luke Skywalker yeah. in, these most, in these most recent uh, Star Wars. But uh, Gabriel is really just unfiltered, funny, hard-hitting, all, all the stuff that made makes Gabriel so awesome and made him so important at the OC Weekly is still there at that newsletter. Me, 
I mean, I'm a little bit more inspirational now. Again, I moved on. I'm, I'm Moses. Good. So, so clearly local politics matters and, and we've rediscovered that, uh, you know, elections have consequences and Orange County has made national news. Uh, we've gone viral for all the wrong reasons uh, with, uh, you know, the board of supervisors meetings and these almost insane public comments uh, the Orange County Board of Re- uh, Education recommendations that schools should reopen without safety measures, a public health director that resigned over death threats and protests on her front yard, um, the sheriff's office that has more active investigations than I can possibly keep up with. Um, and, and and we haven't even scratched the surface on really local city politics, city councils, school boards, those sorts of things, water district, you know, all of that. Um, and yet, you know, a number of these people were just elected in March. And it's so tough to get the average voter to even care about local politics and local offices. Um, So you've both done a great job keeping us and and, and specifically me uh, informed about local politics. And I I just want to start with, you know, what got you interested in local politics? Because you both have such a passion for covering it. Um, and really exposing the hypocrisy and and the power dynamics and the, and the scandals that are, are right around the corner uh, uh, from where we live. So, um, what got you interested in that? Go for it, Gabriel. You start. All right. Well, I remember having an interest in local politics in Anaheim, where I grew up. It was around uh, two, the two thousand one election or two thousand election when Kurt. Pringle first rehabbed his image and became mayor of a major Latino city. I would drive around town, I would see his banners, and I would have conversations with my professors about it. But they weren't interested in local politics, not even where they taught. Uh, They were interested in international politics, the politics of Latin America and other countries. And to a certain extent, I was too. That's where my education was being geared before... I graduated from college in Riverside and decided to get involved with media, especially at the community level. So when I started off at KPFK originally, I stayed in Orange County. I brought Orange County on my back every day up the five to the 101 and covered county issues. And we would book a lot of journalists from this rag called OC Weekly, including (laughs) Gustavo and Moxley. So at that time, there were issues related to school board members possibly coming back, like Harold Martin, uh, who wanted to build Mexico for the education of undocumented students. $50 million. Um, yep, $50 million. And then there was also mm-hmm. there was also America's sheriff. Anytime you're America's anything, the truth sooner or later comes out, whether you're America's, <laughs> mayor, America's sheriff. Yeah, Mike Corona had a lot of press um, after, oh man, her name escapes me. A little girl was murdered. Oh yeah, Stanton. Samantha Runyon. Yeah. Samantha Runyon. And he was on Larry King Live, CNN, had this wonderful national media tour. But locally in Orange County, the OC Weekly was telling a different story about his corruption, the Hadle gang rape case, and all of his... Uh, deeds, misdeeds that got him booted out and um, in prison, federal prison. So 
that really kind of gained my interest because I never stopped having um, a focus on Orange County, even as I was in LA media. And then I come down to Orange County and start writing for the OC Weekly, first as a freelancer, and then afterward as a staff writer until the end. And that's when all hell breaks loose. And I have more than 40 hours a week to see what's really going on in Anaheim and Buena Park and Fullerton and, and Santana in Brea of all places. And right. uh, you can the, tell the, I mean, the, the, the last, the last issue of the OC weekly is a cover story that, that you did a story on Brea and white manly, which yep. gets almost no coverage in our own town. Yeah. My, my philosophy is that if you're going to change the world. And I think as a young kid, I was more grandiose about what that could mean. If you couldn't hold your corrupt politicians, dirty cops, and developers to account in your own city or in your own county, then what are you thinking about that other, you know, level of state politics, national politics, international politics, which is all fine and well, but you're gonna need a good democracy needs journalists on the local level with good institutional knowledge, with uh, an ambitious investigative desire to tell stories and to get the truth out there. Absolutely, absolutely. And and Gustavo, what what sparked your interest? Also, we're both anacrimers, so it's all about the corrupt, horrible politics in Anaheim. 1999, Harold Martin, the uh, very school board trustee, uh, Anaheim police officer who sued Mexico or who wanted to sue Mexico for $50 million for educating the children of undocumented immigrants, children like myself. My dad came to this country in the trunk of a Chevy. Before then, I was a film student. I was just about to enter Chapman University. I did not care about the world. I frankly, literally, my dream was to move to South County and be rich and have my family there. And after Harold Martin did his thing, I got so pissed off that I became an activist. I I ended up apprenticing under... uh, Josie Montoya, may she rest in peace. Also connected with Amin David, may he rest in peace as well. Like, And I also saw, though, both of those camps split. So that really quickly taught me that politics in Orange County, far too often, even for people who are fighting the good fight, it splits into ego clashes. And so you have to be completely independent of any leaders and they have to be skeptical of all of them. And so from there, this is 1999, yeah. In April Fool's 2000, I, I, I end up work uh, volunteering on the campaign of a, a, a then-unknown prosecutor named Claudia Alvarez in Santa Ana. A friend of yeah. mine, friends of mine at Chapman were more political, so they got me involved there. I, and I've told this story a million times, so I'll be very short with it. Um, April Fool's, I go uh, late night. I throw something out. I see the trash can, a publication I had never heard of before called the OC Weekly. I pick it up. It's an April Fool's issue. All the stories are fake. Uh, it's all, par- it was just like the onion, yeah. all parody news. I remember ones that said like the sun, uh, the sun rises every morning out of Christopher Cox's asshole. Uh, Christopher <laughs> Fox, of course, being the former longtime congressman of Newport Beach, then the head of the SEC under W. And he, it, the, the great untold story was how Cox destroyed the American economy through the Great Recession as chairman of the SEC. Even the OC Weekly never got around to telling that story, although Moxie told in little things here and there. That's, yeah. how, I, I, that's where I got my passion into journalism. And given that my political awakening was local politics, and specifically local politics in Anaheim and Santana, 
I, even though I first started writing about rock en español and food, my knowledge, just because I was involved, uh, quickly served as, uh, well, and I, I fed some stories to the people at Dosi Weekly at the time, mostly Nick Scow, but I had so many of them and the staff was all white that uh, the then editor, Will Swaim said, you should start doing the stories yourself. And here I am all these, the 20 years later, basically. Yeah. And, and so we have Will Swaim to thank for that, but um, <clears throat> what has happened to him since? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, p- p- people, of course, it, it's it's tragic what's happened to him. I know more. I'm going to keep that to myself, though, because sure. it's a personal thing. But um, it, it is very sad. Uh, but I, I think your legacy really lives on in the people you have inspired to do things. and. Sure. His current stuff, you know, his current act, no one's getting inspired by it. Right. No, no one at all. But on the other hand, you do have the legacy of the OC Weekly, and that's definitely all going to be on Will, you know. Although yeah. he's completely forgotten. Sadly, now I think more people associate OC Weekly with me and the last yeah. people there than with Will. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I guess that's kind of an interesting story, too, is the, the, the timeline of some of these folks who, you know, a snapshot in time, they do really great things, you know, like every time I read Gloria Romero in the Orange County Register, I'm like, what uh-huh. happened? What, what, what happened? I mean, you know, that's why institutional knowledge matters so much Yeah. in journalism. And, you know, it's yeah. not just about doing local politics. It's about hanging around, too. That way, right. you know, right. And you see certain things that are repeated. You don't get taken along for the ride, right? Um, and I mean, you know, it, it, indeed, it is unfortunate to have Will Swain be at the center of the white paper that uh, made national news in terms of the Orange County Board of Education. Um, but even then, the public face of that was the board members themselves, right? Um, and Mari Bark and some of the others, and. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it would, yeah, it and, would make for a great profile to, you know, see what makes Will Swain uh, tick. I haven't seen him in since two the tw- years. Yeah, since the 20, uh, 20th anniversary party. Yeah, or even after that, I saw him at the uh, local press club award in Newport Beach. Mm. We took a photo together and he said, oh, should I be photographed with you? I mean, but we were, we're you know, pretty friendly. He liked one of my yeah. last stories, which was, an expose on the ticket system in Anaheim. So yeah. Yeah. Up until then he was still giving me calls, but you know, this year, 2020 has just rewritten the whole rules of scariest people and all of that, because, you know, if the paper had been around, we would have had to blow the entire thing out because 31 wouldn't have been enough. (laughs) I I would have insisted you got to stick to 31. There's some traditions you cannot, (laughs) you got to call the herd. Exactly. So this is the worst year to be without that issue, though. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. So and and so clearly, um, you know, first let's start with uh, who are the scariest people on the ballot? For me, that's Huntington Beach, which is getting away with a super extremism. You have two past scariest people alumni in there. You have Tito Ortiz, mm-hmm. who we put on the list in 2010. Uh, for reasons not even having to do with politics um, or his extreme racism or his extreme conspiracy theories. Uh, And then also someone I put on the list was uh, Gracie Vandermark. She was on the cover, illustrated by the great Bob All. Uh, And that was in 2018. 
Okay. So basically, Gracie Vandermark is running for city council. I don't know. There's 13 candidates. She's the last of the bunch on the ballot. Uh, but in 2017, prior to Charlottesville and the infamous Unite the Right rally, she palled around with some of the proposed speakers for that rally in Santa Monica so that they could disrupt a pretty uh, unitarian universalist style vibe white privilege workshop. Okay. And the group that originally disrupted the, that organization's meeting in Santa Monica were like three masked men from a group that would later be revealed to be the Rise Above movement. Half of the half of them are in jail because of Charlottesville and yeah. other uh, you know rallies turned riots where they were violent. So she goes and she has her phone and she's doing the whole shock jock on the ground act that is so popular with the alt-right. Right. Uh, she's there with Johnny Benitez. She's there with uh, Augustus Invictus and uh, Baked Alaska. These folks never just have normal names or real right. names. Uh, and she disrupts it. And in the YouTube comments, which were screenshotted, uh, she referred to blacks as colored people. She referred to She referred to them as being ordered around by the Jews. And of course that's a trope. Right an anti-Semitic trope where the Jews are conspiratorial and, and right. orchestrating and, racial unrest. To and and white didn't, didn't she and a Tito get the Huntington beach police officers endorsement? The, the managers association. Uh, so the top brass, the folks that are supposed to be better educated with degrees, in, <laughs> you know, master's degrees and, you know, criminology, they're like, yeah, Tito and, uh, and Gracie, those are our endorsed candidates. And, Really, this should be more of a story because Tito right. Ortiz, you know, essentially wanted to organize a posse to counteract the Black Lives Matter protests, which he expected to burn downtown HB to the ground and rape their wives and all these wild things. Sure. And, you know, how do you co-sign that? And if you're the city attorney, Michael Gates, you're, you know, contributing to the campaign through your LLC, you're endorsing him. Uh, OC Sheriff Don Barnes is... is endorsing his candidacy and Tito Ortiz recently appeared on a podcast where he claimed that coronavirus was a pandemic that would dis disappear after November 3rd and would basically was being wielded by the left in this country to get rid of old people and some bizarre conspiracy against social security uh, when you know the democratic parties you know right uses social security as one of its uh, untouchables, if you will. Right. Um, so it really didn't even have to make sense. It didn't even have to be coherent. Right. Uh, but even with these, you know, conspiracy theories and, and racism and this pledge to make Huntington Beach safe again from what? Not from itself. Right. You know, there's way too much OCGOP support for this fringe extremist element. So I didn't even, you know, in my newsletter, I have something called the Gallery of Ghouls, which is a tribute to the scariest yes. people. But I couldn't, you know, I want to be, I want to pay tribute all the way. So I'm not going to put anybody that's already been in that, you know, gallery, if you will. So Tito and, and Gracie don't make the list. And if you want to know more about it, um, the best thing is to say is that, you know, they went to Old World Village of all places to have a campaign event together. Uh, in old world, old world village is a 
favorite hangout of uh, neo-Nazis going back, you know, 20 years now. Oh, longer. Over, like, yeah, that, that's, where, that's where the Institute for Historical Review, the leading Holocaust denying uh, organization in the country, used to hold their meetings. Yeah, and, and Gracie was a Holocaust, or, you know, she said it was just for research that she curated this uh, YouTube playlist called Holocaust Hoax. So then she ends up there with Tito at Old World Village. Nobody's wearing masks. They're all bunched in there together. What more could you say? That's HB to the bone. Right, right. Gustavo, anybody on the ballot that would make the list? Oh, Michelle Steele, OC supervisor, 1 million percent. I've been, I've probably mentioned her name on my Orange County line commentary at least more than five times. I know enough to where my quotes about her made it into, no, no, I think my quotes about her made made it into a, Harley Ruda commercial attacking Michelle Steele. All I have to say, I mean, there's so many things to say about her, but all you have to all you have to point to is right before Memorial Day, she puts out this letter and trying to argue why the beaches should be open. And she said that the coronavirus rate that we have flattened the curve and hospitalizations are going down. And this is at the very like early May. And, uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. All Harley Ruda needs to do. And of course, Michelle Steele will not agree to any debates. Michelle is Michelle Steele will not take any, you know, oh, she, she did talk to someone from the Orange County Register, but of course, Orange County Register is going to be soft. Uh, but that's all you have to do. Michelle, answer that. There, there, and there is no answer. She, and she's the, she's the type of person that's not going to um, back down from her own stupidity. And, and that's just, and that's probably the least scary thing about her, but that's more than enough in my book. Yeah. Yeah, so, about the best thing that can be said about her is that she was friends with uh, the founder behind Be- Beverly Soon Tofu, the legendary uh, Korean tofu shop. Like, so at least she has good taste in food. That's the mitigating factor. Mitigating factor, exactly. <laughs> and and anyone else on the ballot that would make the list? All of Orange County. I mean, th- that was the fun thing about us. Thirty, there was thirty-one people, and, and look, this is all po- politics. But for the scariest people. Honestly, politicians were always in the minority because Orange County just has so many morons. Yeah. You have your criminals, then you have the stupid people. Remember, Gabriel, the the one that you wrote about that woman talking about, uh, like the, the one that did yellow face down in Coda or some shit. shit yeah, like that? Jen- Jennifer Murphy. There I we go. I want to be a ninja. Yeah, I want oh, to be God, a ninja. <laughs> you have like just du- like so much dumb. Like I'll, I'll give you one other person. Oh, easy. Jerry Serrano, the head of the Santa Ana Police Officers Union, which is trying to uh, get San Santana under its grasp once and for all. He's so scary that he actually had me uh, supporting, or that he, uh, uh, Serrano is so scary that he actually had me opposing the recall of Ceci Iglesias, who we put we used to put in the scariest people list, but only I was a I I obviously did not do not want her on the Santa Ana City Council, let alone as mayor, what she's running for. But the way she got recalled was completely undemocratic, and and this is why I even though I'm a registered Democrat, I still have very little support for Democrats in Orange County because they were all for that recall, even though it was it was just under the most undemocratic and circumstances. The enemy of my enemy is not your friend when it comes to people like Jerry Serrano. Right. Yeah. It, 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 it always, it, it always pisses me off when people make me defend people that I don't like, like, damn it. Like the rules matter and, and the process matters and yeah, you're not making it better. Yeah. I would add Greg Rath to the list, to the list this year. Okay. I think um, Katie Porter out of the whole blue wave is obviously the star, the new yeah. congressional star in Orange County. 
And, you know, for, for two decades, Loretta Sanchez had the worst and the weakest candidates run against her. And now that kind of tradition of, of the GOP is extended to, you know, Katie Porter, because they can't stand a, you know, woman politician that's right. like a shining star. Right. And you have, you know, she's she's famous for now for her whiteboard, you know, marker takedowns of yes. of uh, CEOs and, and, and everything, and deservedly so. She's doing some really uh, good legislative work and muscle. Um, but yeah, Greg Rass is, is you know, he, let's just say tune in uh, Sunday for my newsletter. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, and, and I'm always surprised uh, that, that people facing any hearing with Katie Porter and it aren't better prepared for the right. questions. Uh, you know, what the head of the, the post office, uh, you know, the only question he could answer of hers was the price of the first class stamp. And I'm like, have you not paid attention? Uh, yeah. She's going to ask a follow up question. <laughs> 55 cents is not the end of your questions. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just didn't have any idea. And, and just she reveals so much ab- about how little the, the people are even interested in in preparing just the the absolute disregard they have for any kind of oversight um you know the the swampy nature of that so um okay so anybody else not on the ballot oh i mean you could do a whole show you want us to name 31 because we could totally do that um arty moreno hello if if he's not already in the scariest hall of fame which we put him in there yeah, okay, so we put him in there last year so he doesn't count. Well, hell, Anthony Rendon then. And Anthony Rendon, the superstar a, a sign-up for the Los Angeles Saints. I, I guess he had a good enough season, but after trashing uh, Los Angeles as being like, a, what was it, an unchristian city or whatnot, he's just going to be another flop like Mo Vaughn and uh, Pujols and all these other people. Yeah, and then there's, you know, Dr. Jeffrey Bark. There's a lot of COVID creeps. Yeah, COVID creeps. Everyone's getting their 15 minutes of fame thanks to social media, readily pilfering out a counter narrative to, you know, the science that is responsible. So you have Dr. Jeffrey Bark, who embarrassed Orange County again, and he was uh, doing a conversation on zoom it looked like or one of these video conferencing uh platforms with peggy hall who is a new person right. that has emerged uh as a you know a new uh, queen of the COVID creeps she kind of reminds me if, if uh i don't barbara Coe probably had offspring but she just reminds yeah. me of like a new a new version of barbara Coe, you know how old she is yeah uh, and a little creepier too um in addition to hating, you know, illegals and all of that, Barbara Coe would email out some whacked out conspiracy theories that Gustavo would put on the navel gazing blog about, I don't know, microwavable cell phones. Sonny Bono <laughs> got killed by the drug cartels. Like, oh, she was a nutcase, a wow. truly, truly evil person that, you know, this is the importance though of, o- of what OC Weekly did, because especially yeah. for this, like I always, I still, I'll always get in fights with people. Like they, people get like, and I'm, I don't know, jaundice, sinister, like just jaded, not never jaded, but like people will be like, oh my God, it's outrageous. Can you believe it? It's like, 
yeah, it's happened already. Don't you know this person? No. Right. Well, why don't you know your fucking history? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to be surprised when right. you pay attention. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, you know, not only is there folks like uh, Bark and, and Hall who are getting a name for themselves out of this whole pandemic, which is terrible. And you have like one of the persons that are not even a person. Sometimes we put institutions as scary as people without a, any irony right. about it. Um, but Basilico's in Huntington Beach putting up their leave the mask, take the cannoli right. billboards and selling T-shirts. And there was even a, a young woman who did a TikTok review because she couldn't get anything in on Yelp uh, that her dad was in his 60s and a medical professional walked into um, Basilico's and had a mask on and everyone was jammed inside eating Italian food. And he was the only person that wore a mask and they, they sent him home without, you know, without his takeout. And that's just kind of ridiculous. It's like, uh, as I wrote, uh, pinnacle peak steakhouse would cut your tie. That just kept things that just kept the vibe casual and it's fine. Right. It didn't, it didn't perpetuate a lethal virus and extend a pandemic. So yeah if our county had its act together and uh, you know supposedly there's some sort of county response to basilicos that we may find out what happens later um but you know if we had some contact tracing programs that were funded and operational from the county level uh a lot of this would not have such a free run at it right Um, right and you know that goes from basilicos to downtown disney right yeah. And and now with the schools opening and, and no requirement that they report. Right. So um, we're flying in the fog. Didn't um, yeah. January teach us about flying in the flaw in the fog? Right. You know, RIP Kobe. So why should we do it as policy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my concern and I and I and I know you're concerned as well is, you know, what's the future of local journalism? When we don't, you know, this can't, we can't turn over coverage of, of local politics to next door. Um, and, and oh, my storm, storm, storm front for suburbans. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I, I always tell my, my students, you know, I, I went on next door to find out where the coyotes are to protect my little dog. And I found out my neighbors are racist. Yeah. You know, and, and I was blissfully happy not knowing exactly how bad it was, uh, but it, 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 we can't just live without local journalism. And so what is the future? What can people do to support it? Um, and, and what's the future for, you know, the next generation of journalists? Because that's one of the things I've really been mourning this past year is, you know, how do my students, how do the journalism students engage in local experiences and internships and really getting a passion um and and they used to have the oc weekly mm-hmm. yeah no, that, that's exactly the issue at the los angeles times that i'm trying to bring up uh with uh with internships because you know the la times we require interns because we pay them and they actually work for us uh but we require them to have a previous internship and my argument is that when it comes to local there there is no places for interns uh, for students to intern anymore, especially have any meaningful internships. At the OC Weekly, yeah, you would get your byline in there, but every, once a week, I would have class for an hour. I would have right. a different topic. I'd have my reporters right. do that. They'd be part of our staff meetings. Like They really got that training. 
and it's not there. I mean, you do, yeah, of course, the voice of OC is good, but honestly, other than that, then there's some other smaller publications. But here's the thing with Orange County, like, and I love the voice of OC, they're good people. Norberto's great, but I call them the Boy Scouts of local journalism. I, I am frankly sick and tired of this nonprofit, earnest journalism, like, let's take down the bad guys with just being good people. That's boring. The OC, this is why the OC Weekly was so effective because not only did we bring those goods, we mocked these people. We were ruthless. There is, and American journalism in general, all of a sudden, like now they have like this messianic tendency to just be virtuous. And yeah, that'll take you some places, but at the end it's boring. It's not going to get you as many readers as you can. Like the last cynical news, the last cynical publication left in the United States is a magazine called The Baffler. The Baffler is completely brilliant. The Baffler is actually one of the inspirations for OC Weekly. And another mm -hmm. publication out of England, because Will Swain was a big fan of The Baffler, and another publication out of, of England called Private Eye. It's a satirical, it comes out like once a week. I think I subscribe to it. but And it's small. It's all these little blurbs, but they do investigative reporting, and they're just ruthless, ruthless, ruthlessly funny against the powers that be. No one has that anymore. I mean, you know, th th there is no humor left in journalism. Except, right. you know, let, let's mock, let's mock six, let's, let's, let us mock cishet whites. That's the only funny thing left in journalism anymore. That's boring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, you know, I think it, I think it's why John Oliver and, you know, Hassan Minaj, the, 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 the combination of being funny and, and, and really getting real content and public policy investigation out there um, has been so successful, but you don't necessarily want to turn it over to comics. Like you yeah. want it grounded with journalists who are funny, not comics who cover serious things. And I, and I think you're right that that's just lacking. And you got to, I, I like John Oliver, but he's hopeful. He, him and John Stewart, they're both hopeful and ho like their outrage came out of hope. You have to be cynical. You have to be cynical. And uh, I'll always remember a professor once told me a cynic is nothing more than a hopeless romantic. So that's the type of cynic that I am. Yeah. And, and I think, I think one of the reasons they are is because they're, they're at, you know, 30,000, 60,000 feet covering national. And I think when you cover local, you, you, you know, we, we joke on, on, college campuses that the the knives are so sharp because the stakes are so tiny yep. um and and you got to see these people and and you only need you know three votes out of five and so the alliances and the backbiting are are really transparent there's nowhere to hide um so i do think that that's something that you see more in local politics of um good lord how are these people getting away with it and you've got to expose it. Um, but the OC Weekly did uh, incredible investigative journalism. Um, you know, the snitch scandal, uh, just so many things that you guys exposed. And so, so where do we go for that? What, and, and how do we support it? I mean, you know, I, I feel like I should get to write off my subscription to the OC register as a, you know, charitable contribution to try to keep the paper on life support. But you know, give give money give money to Gabriel San Roman. Simple as that. He's the one who's doing this uh, this work, and he's. I mean, Gabriel's a little bit more hopeful than me, although he also has a streak of cynicism in him. But um, no, he he. If literally, if you give money to Gabriel, and you can, if you go to his website, and subscribe to his newsletter, he will have the resources to be able to pull the stuff that costs money. Like uh, like he's doing great work right now with 
what's going on in Brea and a former school trustee. He uh, has to pay money for these public, uh, you know, uh, public records that he has to FOIA, not FOIA, but public records re requests out of. But, you know, you could give to the voice of OC, sure. Um, but that honestly, that's about it. Like, I, I would hope that if anyone's listening to this, like you could, you could try to do this as well. But, um, you know, it takes, it takes a thick skin and it takes a, a backbone of, whatever Wolverine's claws are made out of, out of Mad-Eye or out of Manium, I forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I warned anyone and any anyone who would listen, anyone and everyone, that the impending death of OC Weekly would usher in a news desert into Orange County, and that's where we found ourselves in the most news-heavy uh, year right. in God knows how long. Um so my newsletter was a response to that. Um, as a freelancer, it really has been incredibly difficult to navigate this terrain because the pandemic has atrophied a lot of freelance budgets yeah. uh, at newspapers. So it's been like squeezing water from a rock. Right. And not only was not only was the desire to break away from from Facebook and its lording algorithms a motivator for me uh also just the fact that freelance money was less and less to be had uh in local publications they just kind of you know locked down with the staff that they had or did what right. they needed to do to to survive it's a very difficult time for uh, any freelancing uh, regardless of where what outlets are still there um, so that's what the, uh, newsletter, which I called the slingshot. It was, uh, definitely inspired by the Bay area slingshots. I always had a slingshot organizer with me at KPFK, uh, doing community radio, but it seemed to kind of encapsulate what I was doing or wanted to do, which was look, Hey, I know this is a pandemic. There's a lot of stories that don't get told at least once a week, let me just, you know, pull back this weapon of the week and, mm -hmm. and let it fling. And that's what I've been doing. And, in, in, you know, uh, to various degrees, like sometimes it'll be an art story, uh, like a, like the Costa Mesa mural uh, that I recently wrote about by artist Alicia Rojas. And then sometimes it's about, you know, like the Kerry Kropke scandal in Brea, uh, which nobody wrote about. Nobody yeah. wrote about it, even though the well, we got a blogger, a blogger yeah, in Brea. Sure, a blogger in Brea, but let's talk about why the PD in Brea made exempt records available publicly, right. and then took right. this extra step of publishing a link. You know, so what I did is like, okay, you want to publish a link because they could have given you know blogger Rick Clark all of that, and then he would have been kind of a gatekeeper and says, here's what I'm publishing from my take of the records, but Nobody even thought to say, well, let me go through these records now that they're publicly available right. and let's vet. And, yeah. you know, my investigation found that the insinuations and claims could not be corroborated because there was either a lack of digital audio recordings from the police in, in question, who said that she used as a trustee, she used obscenities against an officer and against the law enforcement profession right. itself. Um, and then also, you know, contextually her defense is defensible based on what is there so you know that's a story that doesn't get picked up you right. know but by my you know newsletter that i put out on sundays 
So now that I'm kind of half in as a, as a writer, still always wanting to write, keep my skill sharp for the next act, whenever, whatever form it takes. But I'm also a reader too in the county. And you and I were discussing this before the podcast, um, but I really do miss really engaging stories that are in depth, that are um, also just in, take you into an issue all the way in. Right. Not very, you know, surface level. Right. So I know, I know Gustavo plugged my newsletter. I'm going to plug his because, you know, when you PayPal him a taco or you Venmo him a taco, what he's been able to do this past, you know, week is commission original pieces. Mm-hmm. And I went deep into San Clemente for about a month and a half or so to tell an expansive story about uh, Ole Hansen, who was the founder of the town, the the developer most associated with the Spanish village by the sea. Uh, And it was a great tale. It's one of the ones that we didn't get to at the end of the uh, OC Weekly's run, but, you know, he's able to commission original pieces. So at the moment, I don't think anyone's going to be so quixotic to try to start something institutionally that's brand new in these conditions. Hopefully that's something that can happen in the future. But in the meantime, you know, I'm drawing back that slingshot. Yeah, good. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, you know, I, we definitely are going to have you back, uh, you know, definitely at least uh, to try to find somebody to run against Mark Kelly when his term is up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Judge that, you know, didn't even get a challenger after this reduced sentence. And, and that's and that's part of the problem is that, you know, when we don't have local journalism keeping an eye on things, the, the thread gets lost. People forget. It's a big story and people are outraged for, you know, five minutes and then their attention uh, scatters. So uh, I really appreciate you guys keeping us informed and doing the work uh, and and holding people's feet to the fire, uh, you know, and not letting them get away with things. So I I mean, one thing, if I have time or Uh, I've been concerned about Anaheim specifically, because in 2018, when there was a living wage campaign, opposition research polled residents of Anaheim where they get their news. Of course, mm-hmm. news channels like ABC7, all that, sure. that's where a lot of people get their news, quick sound bites. But in terms of print, like OC Register was 65%, and OC Weekly was 63%, just a few percentage points ahead of the time. Wow. And then now what you have, and I don't know how much of an outlier this election cycle is, um, Disney smartly deposited 1.5 million into their favorite pack before the pandemic, before their economic troubles, and they're going, they're, they're spending it. So not only is it a question of journalism, but when you have OC's biggest city run by a corporation and, you know, I think it's even more important to have something that's a, a counter to that. Yeah. At least election time is, is the time that journalists who are beholden to no one and who are free to say the truth as is are needed most. And, and the biggest city doesn't really have that. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to leave on a hopeful <laughs> note, but keep the uh, faith, keep the faith. That said, I, you know, yeah. despite, look again, I, I wasn't lying when I said I am Moses that was 
not allowed, like standing on the mountaintop, not being able to go to the Holy Land because I was born and raised in Anacrime, just like Gabriel. And we, and I'm a little bit older than Gabriel, so I, and just a little bit more experienced in the wars. Like, you know, like when he was talking about Kurt Pringle, I was helping in doing stories about Kurt Pringle, right? Mm -hmm. When he was getting that. So, but think about it. We, this county has changed so much politically in our lifetime during my career and absolutely it's far, and it's a far better place things do not flip overnight no matter how much the protest the protestation pro protestations of the indivisible people notwithstanding or the vocals you have to work at it you have to work w-e-r-k and you have to keep the faith and because without keeping the faith then you have nothing at all right. so you have to keep battling but at the same time folks we you have to keep up that's eternal skepticism. Look, the best mayor Anaheim probably ever had was a Republican, a rock rib Republican, Tom Tate, the worst, one of the worst mayors in Orange County history, Miguel Polito. My God, he's finally going to get termed out. He was a Democrat. So do not yeah. be aligned to parties, be aligned to the truth, be aligned to the good. Yeah, I love there's, that. There's your hopeful note. There's the hopeful note. We're going to end on <laughs> that. Thank you very much. Gracias. Great.